the Scholars and Iron Podcast. Everybody in this room knows, ain't nothing's gonna be rich like what we talked about earlier. But this is what makes me happy, and this is what I love to do. Good morning, and welcome to the Scholars and Iron Podcast. I'm your host, Joe, coming to you from outside the nation's capital, right here in the DMV. The objective of Scholars and Iron is very straightforward. It's to associate strength training with intellectual endeavors. On the show, we'll examine the connection between capitalism and CrossFit, philosophy and powerlifting, all to raise some hell and even a few questions. By the end of each episode, we'll get one rep closer to living the phrase, civilize the mind, but make savage the body. Now come on, let's lift. What's going on guys? A few weeks ago, I asked for your feedback on the show, and it was great to get so many positive and productive comments. One concern you guys had was that you felt that the episodes are on the shorter side, so today I wanted to try something different. Normally, when I edit my podcasts, I'll take about an hour or an hour and a half of recording, and I'll shrink it down to about 15 or 20 minutes, and usually I take out my voice with it. For this episode, I decided to keep the editing down to a minimal and give you close to an hour of the original recording, so I hope you'll enjoy it. Let me know what you think. In today's episode, I traveled down to Richmond, Virginia, to Sean Murphy's gym, Mayhem Fitness. It's a strongman gym, and I went there to meet with Chad Clark, a true preservationist of strength culture. Why do I call him that? Chad has done lots both here in the U.S. and abroad, promoting various ethnic and indigenous forms of strength sports, everything from Scottish Highland Games to Moss Wrestling. Joining us was Daryl Aldridge, a strongman and powerlifter who laid out his own journey from powerlifting into strongman competitions and what he has in store for the future as owner of Silverback Strong. So my name is Chad Clark. I'm from a small town in southwest Virginia called Roanoke. I'm very proud to be where I'm from. It's very small, it's very rural. Um, It gave me a great upbringing and it gave me a great respect for hard work. My background started off in strength sports, then started competing until I was 33, first of all. I've been trained since I was only 20. And I always told people that was my biggest regret in life was that I didn't start this awesome journey earlier. And once you start on the journey, as everybody in this room knows, it's a very serious addiction. But powerlifting was actually my first love. And then from that, I transitioned into Highland Games. That just took me down a road. Never really looked back as far as travel and competing and, be, and wanting to be involved. From Highland Games, kind of transitioned to Strongman. And then from there, I kind of went full circle with going back to helping out with some local powerlifting meets, coming involved with Moss Wrestling, coming involved with Armlifting USA, which is grip sport. If it's strength sports related, at some point or another, I've somehow or another been involved in it. But again, it's an addiction. And it's just what I absolutely love to do. But for me, it's important. One, again, I always talk about how much sport has given me. You know, it's given me the greatest group of friends, the greatest social network, whoever you could ever ask for. So for me, it's very important to give back to that because you will just continue to help things grow and grow. And anytime you're so invested in a sport that you love it so much, you want to see it prosper and flourish and give back. And that was one way that I've been able to give back is, you know, putting on events, be it, you know, Highland Games, be it Strongman competitions, be it Moss Wrestling. Whoever way I give back to strength sports is 
I'm always more than happy to do again. You know, look, everybody in this room knows ain't never gonna be rich like what we talked about earlier. But this is what makes me happy, and this is what I love to do. Uh, Daryl Aldrich, I'm the owner and founder of Silverback Strong. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, born and raised. Um, what got me started? Um, I started at a local youth fit. The focus was to just kind of lose weight and get in shape, just really just the wellness of it, just to feel better. Once I got started, I, you know, it was more of an experimental period, you know, calisthenics, plyometrics and everything. It was just about getting creative and just, you know, trying to get started thinking outside the box. Um, and it took one of the other members just kind of walked up and was like, hey, man, you're pretty strong. So I started kind of backtracking because, you know, at first it was the, you know, go heavy every day and, you know, all right, I did this yesterday, let me try it again. So then it was just, uh, you know, a lot of trial and error. And then, you know, it was other, it was mentioned to me just, hey, man, you should try powerlifting. And then it's like, you know, I'm not really competitive. I'm, I'm the quiet reserve guy. You know, I don't, I don't mind being social, but, you know, it just kind of, it started that way, and then um, more people started kind of chiming in. It's like, hey, man, no, you need to compete. Like, why, why are you uh, increasing so much weight if you're not going to do anything with it? So I started kind of training towards powerlifting and just, you know, researching online and trying to figure out different workouts. And, you know, it was going pretty good for the most part. Um, deadlifts are always my, my go-to exercise. That's, that's where I found my true power. That's where I excelled in first. Um, after that, I uh, started looking up strongman exercises because I started paying attention to more of the crossover for, you know, the endurance and the conditioning portion of it. So then after I started doing you know, a few uh, sessions with the strongman training. I was like, all right, this is, this works for me. This is fun, I enjoy it. It's, I had to get past the, the gym being a chore to something that if I don't go for two or three days, I feel bad, I, get, I gotta get back in there. So um, last year, um, I started my first competition in January down in Norfolk. And after that, like being in that atmosphere and seeing everybody cheering, um, after that, it was just like uh, Chad said before, it, it becomes an addiction. Like once you get that that first competition in, like you know, I, as soon as I signed up, I, was, I went on social media. I was like, all right, found some of the, the chat groups and um, you know some of the pages, kind of researching, figure out you know exactly how to train, um, but. The, uh, the common answer for everybody is like, oh, this is your first competition. Do your best, go have fun. Don't worry about the numbers right now. It's like after that one, if you decide that you want to stick with it, then you'll decide what weight class you want to be in, what um, what events that you, you know, you find more appealing than others. So then this is that once you meet people, it's like lasting friendships. I mean, it's like, that's where the love is. Like it's, you know, like we said, not, we don't plan on getting rich from it. I mean, that'd be a bonus, but it's for the sheer love of the sport. Um, it's the passion. And then mainly, like I've, I've always been in human services. I love helping people. So then it found, I found another avenue to help people um, like 
any kind of advice that I can offer or I'll take any advice. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, there's a, a certain way of going about it. It's like, hey, you're doing it wrong. It's, hey, if you try this a little better, then, you know, you'll get some better results from it. But um, competing this, this past year, I learned something different every time. It gets me out of my comfort zone to travel around to different places, meet different people. And it's even encouraged me enough to, um, I'm gonna promote my own sanctioned event here in uh, Richmond in August. So I've been talking to um, a few people, a few promoters and as First of all, Daryl here is, come from somebody that's older <laughs> and been around for a long time. He is, he is everything that you love about the sport. You know, one year, you know, he gets it on every level, you know. And for me, that's the greatest thing that you, you know, you, that you see and understand is when people like him get in. It's like when we talk about with longevity and giving back, we had a couple of conversations earlier. It's like, you know, you had Kenny from Institute of Iron on. You know, like a conversation we had earlier, Kenny and Henri Skeever are people that I look up to that I respect and admire because their longevity, how much they have done for others. Daryl's one year in the sport. You know, I've seen him in all kinds of contests already. Again, this dude gets it. You know, he realized that it's not just one individual. He's already helping other people, other athletes and stuff. I already want to put on shows and stuff. I have no doubt. Five, six down, years down the road, I'll come in and Daryl will still be doing the exact same thing. But, you know, not everybody goes pro with this stuff. You know, that's not everybody's goal. Some people just... You buy the whole concept of it's a lot more than just sport. You know, uh, one of the things I always talk about is, and same way Daryl alluded to, you meet these wonderful people in your travels. And I always tell athletes, it's like competition is just one tiny part of the big picture. You know, it's it's a learning experience from yourself. Like what Daryl said, first compet competition in, he knew he was hooked. You know, and you love seeing people that, you know, when they're hooked and motivated and stuff. You know, that just, like, even someone, I mean, that just, like, seeing people like that, that's what keeps inspiring me. It's like, man, it's like, you know, we talk about why do you do promote events? Well, because of people like Daryl. You know, it's like, you see how happy they are and how motivated they become. And it's just, it just kind of perpetuates that whole thing and kind of paint it forward, however you want to call it. But again, he's just the perfect example of all that. But going back to athletes, Competition is a small part of the picture. You, know, you learn about yourself from competing. Definitely. Either you have it or you don't. But there's the travel. Travel itself is an education. I've never been to college. You know, just have your basic high school education. But I've been very fortunate. I've been able to go all over the world with this stuff. And that has opened my eyes to everything. You know, it was the best education I've ever in a million years asked for. That's the part. But the biggest part of it all is friendships. The people that you meet. You know, no one's going to stand. It's three of us in this room. No one else really outside of this room or these sports are really going to understand what we go through on a day-in, day-out basis, the sacrifices we make, except for someone else is involved. Right. You know, so you're going to meet, no matter where you travel, you automatically have a bond with those people. You know, whether you're here in the States somewhere or somewhere over in Eastern Europe, you know, you immediately, you know, you're strength athletes. You have that built-in bond. So for me, seeing people like Daryl, this is just the best thing. It's like, all right, man, it's like this dude gets it. I, you know, I wish more and more people would be just like him. And, you know, to, and again, 
that's what you want in strength sports. That, that's what keeps things going. You know, that's why, you know, you love it so much. Is just seeing people like him. It's like, all right, this is going to keep going, you know. It's interesting, too, because, you know, you're sitting here wearing a kilt. Mm-hmm. I almost see you as kind of like a preservationist. <laughs> Really, because... I'm old, man. It's like, I don't know that. It's, it's okay. No, in the sense that there are folks that work in museums that, that seek out to preserve yeah. traditions. Yeah. Highland Gate, I didn't know any of these things existed. Yeah, yeah. What kind of drew you into them? It, well, here's where I go on my rant. <laughs> so, okay. so, so get ready. <laughs> get your popcorn ready. Here's my rant. You're right. You know, I probably am a bit of a... What was the word you used? Preservationist. Preservation. That's a new term. You know, now I'll be Mr. Preservationist. You know, the first thing that drew me into all this stuff was just sport. And then you realize, again, it goes so much more beyond sport. Again, you know, today we're here at uh, uh, Sean Murphy's Place Mayhem Fitness here outside of Richmond. And I got to do basically a Moss Wrestling Clinic seminar learning session. My background was as Highland Games, uh, which is why I'm wearing the kilt. You get involved in immersed in this stuff, you realize there's this whole other culture behind this. So one analogy I use with people is, say for example, Highland Games, that is their way, that's their vehicle that they use to bring Scottish culture and history to the world and ensure that it's carried on and brought, taken, literally taken all over the world and sure it's going to continue on. Uh, stone lifting is the same way. Uh, you know, I've been very fortunate over the years to go back to Scotland and lift some of the historic stones. And again, literally, when you're touching these things, you're not only touching history, but now you're a part of history. So again, it goes back to you know, you're preserving that culture and, and, and bringing it you know, forward to, you know, into modern times for people to see and view it. Moss wrestling is exactly the same way. Uh, moss wrestling is a, it's a Russian sport, but it's predominantly uh, done in uh, Sakai Republic, which is basically, when I say that, it basically means Siberia. And the people, that, the indigenous people that kind of brought it to the forefront are Yakushin, very much similar to like American Indians. Very, very beautiful culture. But by bringing moss wrestling to the world for them to see, that's their way of their, themselves preserving their culture. Now they're putting their culture, which they're very proud of, into the spotlight. And that may be the only way that a lot of people, you know, from the, from the rest of the world, that may be the only way they ever get to see that culture. But again, it goes back, it's not just sport. You know, it, it's culture, it's history. It, it's all about, you know, their society, their customs and beliefs and stuff as well. And the thing is, it, it, the, the deeper into all this stuff you get, you realize, uh, I mentioned Scotland, but like, like the people in the Basque region of Spain, you know, again, I was a kid that grew up, grew up reading Milo magazine, and you'd see the pictures of the, the, the Basque stone lifters, and I just was always in awe of them, but again, they did this stone as a means of competition, but also that was part of their culture, so that's them bringing their culture to the forefront uh, for the world to see. What a lot of people didn't realize is, kind of going back to stone lifting, you know, Iceland, everyone knows, has a huge tradition and history of stone lifting. You know, that's that's ingrained into their strength society. Uh, I had friends that recently went to Sweden. Same type thing. Who knew there was this huge subculture of stone lifting over the years as, as ways of people to prove their manhood? Uh, 
Same way in Wales. Uh, Wales has a tradition history of stone lifting. A lot of people don't didn't know. I didn't know until I had other friends that did more research. Was when you go to a lot of the Japanese, like the Shinto shrines, very much similar to what was going on in Scotland. You know, they had basically like manhood stones or stones that are tests of strength to prove that they're now a man. Well, a lot of people realize. I don't know if you've ever heard the term "feather in your cap." Okay, so I've heard that. Do you know where that comes from? Feather in your cap is very unique because in Scottish history, when you're able to pick up like the local like like stone, like the manhood stone, and put it up onto like a plinth or a ledge, that's when you became a man. When you became a man, that's when you got the feather in your cap. So it's very interesting how things play into all this. And, you know, and I, I'd be totally, Joe, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't mention like all the people I'm not a smart guy you know but I know all these people that have been studying this stuff and involved in so long uh, my good friend Martin Jenksis uh, and Bill Crawford they just had a book that they co- co-authored together recently called Stone Lifting they came out with that uh, they're huge inspirations to me they've done so much research and it's fascinating to see the research they entailed uh, my good friend James Graham from Scotland did a book on Donald Denny, did a book on uh, the history of the Highland Games in Australia. Uh, he's currently working on finishing the works of the late Peter Martin. And Peter Martin is someone that originally teamed up with Steve Jack uh, to do the book of Stones and Strength. And that happened, I want to say, in the early 90s. And if it hadn't been for that one book, that really kind of brought a whole lot of things, that Milo magazine really brought a whole lot of type things like this uh, stone lifting back to the forefront. And kind of kept it. If it hadn't been for those two individuals, a lot of history would have been lost uh, between them and also people like David Webster, uh, who, in my opinion, is the world's most you know, renowned historian. You know, I've been fortunate enough to, to meet with him and get basically like history lessons from him. Or uh, what people don't realize in Austin, Texas, <clears throat> is the Stark Museum. And the Stark Museum was started by uh, Dr. Jan, or Dr. Terry Todd and his wife, Jan Todd. And it's this huge museum, and it's all dedicated to the history of strength culture. And a lot of people don't realize that it's there. It's, in my, and to my knowledge, it's the only one that's kind, but it traces, like, so much stuff in the USA with, like, like the Muscle Beach era, uh, the sport of strongman. They have displays of, like, Basque stones <coughs> that were lifted. They have the first, uh, the 300-pound stone that Jill Mills uh, lifted. She was the first woman to do the 300-pound uh, atlas stone. But so much stuff that is there is just a wonderful display of the history of strength and strength culture. So to be called a preservationist really is an honor, you know. But I'm just kind of following in my friend's footsteps, man. Again, these are the people I mentioned are people that I have the absolute utmost respect for uh, because they've done so much, you know, of, of the legwork for me. So Yeah, you've traveled a lot. Yeah. It seems like I'm, I'm looking at this guy's Instagram. He's like been here, there. Where have you been, and why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it, Joe. So it might as well be me. But again, man, it, you know, it goes back to it's what I love, man. I'm never going to be rich. Hey, I'll be perpetually broke from traveling and buying records, but that's a different story. Uh, but over the years, I've been very fortunate. You know, I've been I've gotten to go to Russia twice. Uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, I love Eastern Europe. I've been to Scotland twice. Glasgow is my absolute favorite city in the world. 
Uh, I've been to Canada. I've been to Iceland. Uh, I've been to Poland. I've been to Finland. I've been to Hungary. I've been to Kyrgyzstan. And probably some other places I don't remember. And, you know, the way 2020 is shaping up, I'll probably be back in, I'll be going to Ireland during the summer, probably back to Russia, and also schedule to go to Norway. Uh, but again, it's just, it all has to do with string sports. You know, the opportunities arise, and uh, this is kind of how I've chosen to, this makes me happy. You know, it's what I love to do. So, you know, anytime I have the opportunity, I just take it. Usually, you know, it's, Usually it's not going as an athlete. You know, usually I'm there, except for Skyline, I go there with stones, but the rest is just, you know, either, you know, coaching events or judging or helping run, promote, or organize the things. So this is for Moss Wrestling, though. Most of the Eastern Europe trips? Are- the, most of the Eastern Europe trip is for Moss. Uh, like, Iceland was for Highland Games. Uh, Norway and Ireland will be for Highland Games as well. Okay. Uh, the Norway will be uh, my friend uh, Kiki and Egel. Uh, over there in Norway around what they call Fee 4 Power Week and uh, it's at this beautiful hotel set up in the mountains and for literally like one week out of the year it just becomes like a strength paradise you know uh, Francis Bredner will be running uh, IHGF International Highland Games Federation he'll be running some of their events there so it'll be a kind of cross between strongman stone lifting and Highland Games uh, my good friend Ode Haugen will be there representing the world of grip and then where Ode's crossover is, I work for him, and we do it so much with Moss. So we're hoping to have Moss Wrestling at B4 Power Week as well. So it's just a, it's kind of like a, a whole bunch of strength sports, sports combined in competition at one week at a mountain resort, more or less. Describe Moss Wrestling. It's, <laughs> that's a very tough question too. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very unique in the fact that it's, it's, Man against man or woman against woman, and you know you're. I give you use like the tug of war comparison. You know it's done with the stick, but it's also like a chess match. You know as we were demonstrating here to athletes and stuff. You know for a lot every, of strategy involved. A lot of strategy. You know for every reaction, there you know you have to know the opposite you know reaction to it. So, so people look at it and they think, oh, this is kind of simple. Well, it's not. It's actually very complicated. And when you see it done at its highest level. And the amount of athleticism that's involved, you know, it's it's really unique. Uh, and again, that's the way of bringing that culture from Sakai Republic and the Yakushin people to the forefront. And it has grown. I've been involved in it for about six years. It has grown so much in that time frame. Not necessarily the U.S., but on a global scale. The last competition we were at in Poland, we had over 40 different nations represented. So on a global scale, that's very large. You know, here in the U.S., it's very, very tiny. You know, that's kind of my job. You know, I work with Ode and uh, my friend John O'Connor and a lot of other people to try to help grow it here in the U.S. Uh, traditionally, you know, the Russians dominated everything up until like three years ago, we'll say. Now, recently just being in Poland, now the Ukrainians are a powerhouse team nationally the Hungarians are unreal they've completely just changed the whole face of the sport just in a short time just they were able to attract a ton of great athletes and they're all multi-sport athletes number specialists uh, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is you know when they recruit people they recruit from strongman from powerlifting from Highland Games all different types of like backgrounds you know wrestlers 
But you know, then they train them up for that. So now you have, like I said, again, the Hungarians, the Ukrainians, the Latvians, the Poles. All I mean, they fielding very large teams, and they had over 180 athletes in Poland recently at, at the competition. Uh, and again, it goes back to previously, probably 80% of the medals or more were won, won by Russians. Going in now, I would say probably only about 60%. I mean, the other nations have caught up. And, and again, it's just a short time frame. Like, you look at the progression of a sport, say powerlifting or Highland Games, will take powerlifting. You know, uh, Andy Bolton, first man to break 1,000 pounds in the deadlift. Then Benny did it. Then now, then you, now you see all these other strong men, you know, pulling a thousand pounds and stuff. So you get that one nation that starts to push the envelope, and then everybody just seems to progress at a rapid rate. And that's kind of where they're at now in the sport of mass wrestling. Everything's just progressing so much that people have actually—I hate to say—caught up with the Russians, but you know, medal counts don't lie. Uh, yeah, you, know, you can lie about a lot of things, but when you see like medal, medal counts and podium finishes, you know, you say, "Oh, well, these countries have caught up; they bridged the gap." And Darrell, what did you make of the Moss Wrestling today? Um, well, Sean introduced me to it. Because, um, like, you know, most people, you know, I started getting the, the passion for the strength sports, and then, you know, the idea just came up. It's like, hey, let's try this one day. So, actually, my, um, my first time doing it was with Sean. And, um, you know, we, we kind of went through the you know, the, the tutorial of it, um, just kind of learning out, you know, and it was, um, we were basically at like a standstill. So then it was just a matter of, he just had more experience of it than I did. Like, you know, um, like I said, it's, it's mainly strategy. And when, you know, when I was doing the uh, match, it was like, okay, now I kind of get it. It's, it's fun, it's taxing, but I can see where other sports kind of carry over for that because it's a lot of using full body and not just sticking to your traditional movements. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I enjoy it. And then even um, some of my teammates, they came in and tried a couple of weeks ago and they enjoyed it. Like it's. To me, the sport, like uh, Chad said, it is growing, and um, I'm going to actually work with Sean to kind of promote it more in our area, um, because it is something that, you know, to me, it opens another avenue for people to enjoy, to get a passion about something. Um, it's it's one of the, the growing sports, and like I said, I... I have fun with it. Now, I'm a little cautious because my training for competition um, with Moss, I'm like, all right, I pick and choose, like, because I know that I'm going to feel it for the next few days. So I kind of take it easy um, as far as Moss wrestling. But it is definitely, um, it's definitely a unique sport. I can see a lot of people getting into it because it's, it's one of those things that if you hear it, it's, all right, whatever, it's wrestling. It's like, well, it's different. Um, like I said, I've, it, it made me um, kind of go on YouTube and watch it. And um, I'm actually traveling to the Arnold for the first time. So 
Um, one of the guys here, uh, Matt, he's actually competing in it. And, you know, I, I kind of got excited because I'm like, all right, one, it's exciting to see. And then it's even better that I actually know somebody competing in it. And it just, it kind of changes your perspective on things and kind of opens the, um, you know, like I said, it opens up those other avenues. And um, I can see the sport growing. It's just more of people needing the knowledge and, you know, just like anything in life, just give it a shot. You know, you, you know, it's either, you know, all right, not for me, or you probably don't have a time in your life like I did. So let me ask you guys a question. Chad, you were saying, you know, Russians have kind of, some of their dominance has been shipped away mm -hmm. in other countries. Do you think that there will develop a sort of a distinctly American approach to some of these very indigenous ethnic sports? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as, as long as I'm around, I'm going to try, you know, that, that's my goal is to help, you know, uh, I'm just involved in a lot of unique sports. And again, it goes back to like, you know, you get hooked in and then you love it. And uh, you just want to, you know, you want to grow it and see it flourish. You, you know, if you love it, then you want other people to love it too. And you want people to become involved. One thing about Moss is, and uh, anything in, in general, success always breeds more success. You know, once people have a taste of success or they see something. Again, you know, recently we just came back from Poland. We were over there in November. <clears throat> and one of the athletes that, that's been on Team USA uh, for several years now, Nicole Hyam. Uh, if for anybody that if you don't know Nicole go look up her story she is I love her like one of my own children uh, I've, I've shed tears of grief over her uh, she's a cancer survivor and I've shed tears of joy over for seeing her win and this past recent trip it was a stage 3 of the World Cup of Moss and she won she won the heavyweight class and so the first time we got to see a female USA athlete up on that metal podium, and we got to hear the American anthem. So when you're a coach, and your athlete's up there on the podium, and you get to hear the American anthem, and no offense against the Russians, as I told people earlier today, it's like, I get so sick and tired of hearing that damn Russian anthem played over and over at these events. To be able to sit there and listen to the American anthem played and see your girl up there, right and not only is she you know you love her like your own child but you know how much that she has given of her life and herself to, to go through all this you know again you know she's battled cancer you know she's defied all the odds she's the most amazing person ever like i said again i love her like my own child yeah i also think it's like i'm not saying i'm the most knowledgeable or coach or anything like that but the athletes i work with are my friends above all else they know i love them you know, and I will always have their back and be in the corner. And uh, to see her on the podium and to win that, that was the greatest experience for me ever. That was that was better than anything I'd ever accomplished was seeing her be successful. But my point is to be able to see her successful <clears throat> coming back to the States, we always, we had all these people hit me up, like, oh man, this looks so cool, you know. So again, you know, they see that she was being success successful, so now they want to be a part of it. Uh, previous couple years ago, the current world's strongest man is Martins Lisi. What people don't understand is, years ago, Martins on the on the stage, a much lighter body weight. I think he originally started as a two thirty one strongman.
But he will always be Moss's golden child and favorite son because he's won multiple titles in Moss wrestling. A lot of people don't realize that. But anywhere you go, you know, when you travel, you know, over the world, is Martins coming? You know, of course, I can't speak for Martins, but he's world's strongest man. That speaks for himself, and we know that's what his focus is. But but he did a lot of Moss wrestling over the years with Ode. And that can help contribute to the, the popularity and the success, you know, the still we're having now. You do appear inclusive of women. And I feel like what I've noticed when I start powerlifting, too, is um, more and more women now. Oh, hell yeah, man. No, that's, yeah. I always tell people, it's like, dude, that's the greatest thing to ever happen in street sports. Um, I mean, I could, I'm, I'm a talker and a rambler, but I can ramble on and on about that. Uh, we're just, if you don't mind, let me talk about Highland Games. Uh, I don't even really know how to put it. Uh, two years ago, I started doing, this will be going to the third year in 2020. I run small games in, in Roanoke, Virginia, Green Hill Highland Games. And uh, again, I'm a, I love seeing women involved in sports. You know, I think it's just, again, it's the greatest thing. They're these amazing athletes and they need to be recognized just the same as men. Uh, and, and talk about progression in sport. I mean, these women are just, the rate of progression that they have made is unreal. Uh, I always thought a man would be the first person to break 100 foot in the lightweight for distance event in the Highland Games. Turns out it was a female that broke the 100 foot barrier in the lightweight for distance in Highland Games. Uh, so talking about you know really crashing through barriers and stuff. But uh, three years ago, I said, man, uh, there was a need for elite women's class. They have no pro class of their own. Uh, you've been seeing a few here and there pop up events, uh, you know, where they're offering you know women's elite class athletes, you know, money, this, that, and the other. And again, you have to understand the context all this is taking. Again, it's like I don't claim to be that smart or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just kind of following a lot of other people's leads. But I knew that I wanted to do something similar. I wanted to have a women's elite class. Uh, to me, and that's to give back and. Doing that, they get paid exactly the same thing as what the men get paid. And it's all, how many women I can have in that class is directly how many people I can hit for sponsorships they're willing to donate money to pay these athletes. And uh, I did that for a couple of reasons. One, I thought it was the right thing to do. I'm a huge fan of the, women, the female athlete and having their own thing like that way. When younger women were coming to sport, now they have something to look up to, to aspire to. They have these role models like, oh, well, I want to throw like so-and-so. Absolutely. And to me, it's very important that you have that. You know, you always have to have a, have a goal to achieve or to attain. And I wanted that for other female throwers to put these elite women up on a pedestal. It's the best thing for the sport. Two, again, I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I want people to see, hey, if I can do it, if this dude like in Nowheresville, Rock, Virginia can do this, why can't other people do it? Right. And the only reason I'm able to do stuff is one, I'm probably just too hard-headed, you know, to quit and too dumb to know any better. But that was really my goal. It's like, hey, if people see that I can do this, you know, again, I have the most limited resource. I start out each year in my games with a zero budget. So I have to get creative. If I can get creative and produce an environment to where these women are able to come and get paid the same as the men, unfortunately, it's not a lot of money. I wish there was a lot more. But I really hope that it encourages other people out there to see 
you can do this. You know, I'm willing to help anybody out. I mean, I can show you the templates basically in my mind that I've tried, you know, tried to design for me that works. But uh, that's really my hope and goal in Endgame is that it's like people see me doing this and, uh, and want to follow suit. Uh, again, you know, I think it's the best thing for the sport uh, on just so many different levels. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too. I remember uh, when I, I first met up with Henri up in New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, he has a group called uh, Women in Power. So it's, it's mostly women who have been you know, abused, you know, victims of, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, for them, it's, it's a matter of getting back their dignity, their sense of strength, right, by powerlifting. So it's women only. And it, it was interesting. He said to me that... Uh, oh, hey, real quick again, man. Yeah, Not me to interrupt you. But guys like him and Kenny... They motivate to help me. People like that are my inspiration, man. So you talk about guys like that, all I can say is, Kenny Henry, I love you. I have the utmost respect for what you do, man. You know, I don't think they really grasp. I'm sorry to cut you off, Joe. But I don't think they really grasp the impact they have on a bigger picture. You know, again, that's people like myself have a lot of other friends that look up to them and just admire the hell out of those guys for not just their own personal accomplishments, with the fact that they put so many other people ahead of themselves. Uh, I have two good friends in the Midwest, uh, John O'Connor and Shane Rickman. Those dudes are like the fucking saints. Can I say that word on, on the podcast? No, okay, look. Those dudes, in my opinion, are fucking saints. They do so much for other people. Uh, Shane Rickman and John O'Connor, like I said, I just literally just admire the hell out of uh, for all that they do for other people and stuff. I mean, John knew like one time, like, members uh apartment burned down. Two days later, you see John, hey, man, putting on a contest. All money raised goes to help with expense costs of putting this new person you back into a home and stuff. So, I mean, guys like that, I mean, that's everything that's right about the world and right about strength sports. Sorry about cutting you off, but I just had to, I had to go down that road, man. Yeah, no, that's you know. See, I like that there because I think from the outside, you know, you guys are kind of alluding to on the outside. You know, folks may not get it, right? Yeah. And when you enter into this community, I didn't expect to be, you know, embraced the way I was. I didn't even expect the podcast to go anywhere. I was just doing it just to, like, kind of, you know, express my thoughts. All right, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. Go for it. Dude, the, 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 some of the guests you've had on your podcast <laughs> are absolutely amazing. Jay and Blakely, you know, being a fan of Powerlifts and stuff. And that was, you know, during that era, you know, he was one of my all-time favorites and stuff. And then I knew you had the guy of a butcher's name where he translate all the Russian text. Trying to I mean, you know, I mean, the fact that you get to meet and interview these people, I mean, to me, I mean, that's so awesome. Again, I mean, that's all people that, you know, I've looked up to. You know, I've always just, before, if nothing else, man, I'm a fan. You know, it's like, we talk about, it's like I grew up reading Milo Magazine and daydreaming of doing this stuff and meeting these people. You know, so that, I mean, that's what you're doing is, you know, you're living a dream too, man. With Skiba, though, what was interesting is that when he started with the women's group, he said that back, I think this might have been the, when they first allowed women powerlifters to compete, the men would get like a cash prize. The top female powerlifters would get roses. Well, that, that's bullshit. We all know that. It was a slap in the face. You yeah. Know? So he was actually one of the first people, at least in the New York metro area, New Jersey, to offer cash prizes. So I think, you know, going in that direction, I think is is phenomenal. Yeah. You know? you know, women get sold like cardio circuits all the time, you know, Orange Theory and stuff, which yeah. has its place. But I think the fact that you know you're being you're sort of inclusive of women into that, and I, like, people notice that too. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I mean, look at now you have you have women lifting the Denny Stones. You you know in, in Scotland, you recently just had two women go to Iceland to lift, lift the Husafell Stone. You know, what I mean, 
you see so much stuff like that now. It's, it's just you know, it's progression. They just keep pushing boundaries and just breaking through stuff. I mean, I mean, again, you know, to me, I mean, I mean, I love it. You know, I mean, again, I think it's the greatest thing ever to happen. Is you know, all these women out there just kicking ass and making strength sports better. And the more they succeed, I'm not gonna lie, you know, it should push men to push the envelope too. You know, it's like you got women out there doing the Denny Stones. Is there any final thoughts? I'd love to hear them. You know. Yeah, I man, I always fire away on stuff, man. You know, I so, said, you know, again, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, I just started out. You know, my biggest regret is I didn't start till I was thirty-three. You know, I was the guy that was always like in the gym, like oh, I'm gonna do a meet, but I never would send send in. You know, finally once I did, like what Daryl talked about, you do it that first time, you're hooked. I mean, I was like, I was high as hell on adrenaline. I know for like the next twenty-four hours after my first meet, it's like you couldn't sleep. You know, you're still just floating. And you know, literally, I just took that and ran with it. Just, I loved it. It's been my passion. I, you know, I love competing. I love putting on events. I love seeing people happy. Yeah, you what know? are some of the events you're putting on in the future? What can we uh, God, what too can we many. check out? <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> well, I don't know. From now, from now until the summer, what, what do you got going on? Uh, man, I think I booked up like literally like every weekend. But again, I mean, that's uh, that's what I love to do. Uh, you know, like next next weekend I'll be uh, working at Brute Strength for their state record breakers uh, for Strongman Corporation. I'll be competing in that. Yeah. Oh, the, okay, yeah. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. The next weekend I'll be in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, helping at a Strongman Corporation event. Uh, the weekend after that, I'll be helping a local YMCA push-pull. Again, it doesn't matter the level of the competition. I mean, it could be national level, you know, local level, world level. It's all good. You know, I mean, I mean, you enjoy it all. You know, and actually, honestly, I, mean, I enjoy working with the smaller ones a lot more because you get to, you know, interact with the athlete a lot more. You get to help coach them up and leave, like, a bigger impact. Right. Um, Everybody has to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. But the important part is just to get started. Yeah, just get started. So um, where's a good place in Virginia now for, for strongman training? Um, here at uh, Mayhem. Um, I also go to the weight room. Um, I've gone out to Charlottesville a couple of times to work out at Primal. Primal Strength Gym. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, like, that's... Brute Strength down there in Norfolk and stuff. You have a lot of places up in Iron North. Asylum's down there, too. A lot of places up in Northern Virginia. Uh, and again, the thing is, so many of these people <clears throat> at these locations, uh, you know, mentioned Brute Strength. You know, you have Stella Kapinski down there. Stella's been around forever, you know. You could leave whatever and come back 10 years from now and Stella's still going to be there. You know, uh, he mentioned, you know, the weight room here in Richmond. That's Chris Lawyer's place. Another, again, person I have the absolute utmost respect for is Chris Lawyer. In the state of Virginia, uh, he was a uh, state chair for Strongman Corporation for a long time. Been involved in powerlifting, Olympic lifting, Strongman, you name it. Chris has been the man. And he constantly, you know, coaches and cranks out great athletes. Doesn't matter the sport, he's cranked out athletes and everything. Uh, going back to the state level, you know, again, you got guys like Patrick Rogers, uh, you know, who's, he doesn't really have a title for Strongman Corporation, I always call him kind of the VP, but uh, Patrick's been, been doing things for sport and giving back to sport for so long. Virginia, what people feel realize, Virginia is a great state for strength sports because you've had these people that have been involved and then longevity has been so great that it's just been able to maintain things. Like I said, you know, Pat's been putting on shows, been involved in Strongman Corporation for forever. Uh, John Shiflett, uh, based at right outside of Charlottesville here in Virginia. 
as long as I remember, John's been involved in putting on powerlifting and things like that. And it's just, you know, these are guys, all these people that I just mentioned, they're all people that I look up to and view as role models coming up. It's like, you, know, you start out as an athlete and you're going to compete and you're taking like bits and pieces from everybody's event, the way they run things. And then to me as a promoter, you take all the stuff that you've seen as an athlete, oh, this is really cool. And then you kind of just crush it all down to your own event. And, you know, kind of then you kind of put your stamp on it, but it's all stuff that you've taken from other people that you've seen, you know, all over the place, maybe all over the state, maybe all over the East Coast, but everywhere you travel, you know, you're, I'm always trying to take ideas from other things. Like, oh, this is awesome. This worked. Or, hey, you know, this is a cool prize. I can make this. But it's just so many little things, man. It's just, you know, you just have to really keep an open mind, you know, about things and, uh, you know, and learn from everybody. Have you ever thought about creating your own strength sport? <laughs> I got my hands full enough, man. All right? <laughs> Look, there's only, there's only 52 weekends in a year, and probably about 50 of those are already booked, you know. Darren, where do you see taking uh, Silverback strong? Um, well, right now it's just gym apparel. Um, I am a certified trainer, and I'm actually doing my uh, strength and conditioning certification now. Um, the plan that I have is that I, um, you know, hopefully to open a gym here in town um, in the south side of Richmond. Um, a lot of the, like, we have a lot of commercial gyms, which are fine, but um, now that I'm in, I'm so involved in this, that I want to grow with it and, you know, have a specialty gym um, and uh, just kind of, you know, let everybody know that it's open because um, I'm a special ed teacher too. I teach sixth grade. I've been doing that for six years now and I've been working in group home for mental health. So I've always been around that population. You're a saving man, bro. <laughs> been around the population for years. Uh, my mom got me started and she's an educator as well. Um, so like I said, that goes back to me being able to help people and, you know, I, to me, you're happy, I'm happy. I, I enjoy seeing people just, you know, just try something different. Because I know it, it took a lot for me to, to kind of get out of my shell. Um, so, you know, even, you know, as far as competing, you know, that was one milestone. And then, um, you know, the, the brand, uh, Selling Back Strong, um, that was another leap of faith where I was just like, all right, you know, me and my brother came up with the concept. Um, I kind of put another spin on it and then, you know, it was the launch of it. Um, so I just, you know, I started back in maybe like April because I, um, you know, I just had the one shirt made and I was like, all right, you know, it's all right. I like the concept. It speaks to my nature. And then it started kind of picking up, you know, in the gym. It was like, you know, people started asking questions about it. So, like, hey, like, man, that's a cool shirt. Like, where is it? It's like, you know, that's my name. And it's, oh, oh that's great. It's great. And then um, back in August, then I made an official LLC. Um, so then it was just like, all right, just just go for it. You know, just try something different. Um, hope to expand it. Um in the next few months or so, just, you know, a little hard to teach and then run a business and then compete. But I mean, the main message is anybody can do it. It's, you know, I start my day around 5, 30, 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday. Um, you know, I'll train 
four days a week and that's at least four or five hour sessions. So um, I'm the living proof that it can be done. Um, always need the right support behind you. Um, like Chad said, everybody's not gonna get it. It's, I feel at home when I'm in the gym just because I know I'm guaranteed to be around people who have common goals, who know the ups and downs of it, and are willing to reach that next level just to push through it. So, um, you know, I get a, a lot of support from my teammates. Um, we work mainly out of golds. Um, I have um, one teammate, he's gonna be competing with me for the first time um, with Strongman. Like we did a, a local powerlifting meet um, and I just, I enjoy one, showing up to different events because um, before I started competing, you know, one of my friends, he uh, he did a powerlifting down at Iron Asylum in um, Virginia Beach. And, you know, that kind of sparked it and it made a, it's like, all right, I need to pull the trigger. I need to start competing myself. Um, and I promised him I'd do a powerlifting meet at some point this year. Um, but it was just that love and support and then having a team behind you, like that that really helps. Um, you know, my my main goal is to be forever humble. Like it's, you know, been blessed, you know, to have the strength and the power to even attempt to do this. So now it's like, all right, um, things change when you find purpose. Yes, like, I do, man. You know, it's when you wake up in the morning and you say, all right, it's one thing to have, you know, goals here and there, but it's another thing that's like, all right, I have a purpose for today. I can get up, do everything I need to do at work, and then I go train. So it's, you know, I, I have long days, you know, from, you know, 5, 30, 6 o'clock to maybe 8, 9 o'clock. And it's, you know... I enjoy having the the structure to have the the day mapped out to just say, all right, today going to the gym. Um, if I want to hit a PR, it's on my mind all day on top of everything else. But it's just having that calm mindset to not overdo it, but you still want to, you know, you want to push your limits sometimes in the right way. You don't want to, you know, do something stupid and hurt yourself, but you know, it's just, you know, being in the gym most of the um, the evenings is just, you know, I, I get a little more lenient about, like, giving advice to people because everybody's not going to want your advice. You got to, you have to know how to pick and choose who you can help because, you know, you know, we can be real. Like, it's, it's some people that just, they don't want help, which is fine, but... If I can do my part every day, I know it's a successful day that if I just mention one thing and then I see somebody trying it out and then they're excelling with it, they feel better. Like like I said, it's if I can have the opportunity to make somebody else happy, I'll do what I can. And it just, you know, it it should be a good feeling for anybody to to see you helping somebody and then they reap the, the benefits of it. So, you know, that's what I try to trying to accomplish, you know, day in and day out and just hope for the longevity longevity of the sport. And um, when I, you know, do the uh, competition, 
here in August. Uh, hopefully, Chad will make it down for it. I'll be here. If, if he's not, if he's not too busy with <laughs> his other. I'm the state chair now. I gotta be here. There's an option. Well, there you go. So hey, there you have it. Um, but yeah, that's you know, like I said earlier, it was. I said you know, like he's you know, and Chad mentioned it that you you go to enough competitions and you see you know how they're run and the different events then it's like it it sparks you to say all right dig deep get get your creativity out you saw this event you saw how it's run maybe you can do something different maybe you can do it the exact same way but it's just you know the whole thing is to bring those relationships together to have people with similar and common goals to get together and just have a good time. Yeah, man. Well, you know, you're a good company too because Kenny and Henri are we're special education teachers, actually. Right. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that, man. I've been there for, for 30 some odd years. Oh, man. holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's all know. starting to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does come down for, from this, uh, this, this deep, profound sense of charity you know, that they both have and that you guys obviously have too. It's something, it's, it's sort of interesting how, how it just sort of transmits to everybody that I meet in this sort of community. Well, well yeah, you know, talking about charity, like, see, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, John O'Connor and Shane Rickman, you know, they do so much for, for charities. And, uh, you know, one thing, I've, I've always had a couple of different charities that I've always been very active in. And the bulk of my events always have some type of charitable component to them. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we're doing strongman, you know, we would take the door money uh, to donate to Angels of Assisi, which is a local animal rescue shelter uh, where uh, in Roanoke, where I live. And uh, the reason I do that is one, I know how hard they work, and I believe in that. I'm a huge uh, advocate for for animals. <clears throat> also, the, the on the funny side of that is the reason I raise money for them is I used to volunteer there. I ended up with two dogs and three cats from there. At that point, I said, I got to take a step back. <laughs> I said, I will do everything I can to help raise money for you, but I just can't volunteer here because I can't, you can't say, I don't want to say you can't save them all. I should say you can't adopt them all. Uh, but I've always been very, you know, very busy trying to raise money for them. And uh, for most years now, the Green Hill Highland Games have also went to, the money raised has went to, uh, a charity called Warrior 360, which is a uh, vet, veterans uh, first responder type charity. <clears throat> and uh, my dad was a Navy veteran. Uh, all my uncles were Navy veterans. Uh, I, I've never served myself. I spent 10 years at a uh, working at a government hospital for veterans. And I, one thing I've always said is our veterans are our nation's greatest resource and treasure. And uh, I stand behind that. Uh, I've always been a, you know, a supporter of them. And, uh, you know, veterans and animals, you know, my love for will never change. You know, again, it's just, it, again, it's nice that I'm in a position <clears throat> where I'm able to do things for others like that. And, you know, that in itself is, you know, an honor and something that, you know, I'm very thankful to be in that position to do things for others. Yeah, yeah man. Hey, the the one, one thing I want to say in closing was for, yeah. if I could help anybody out, you know, please put you know, my, my email stuff up on, on, the, on your website and, your Instagram, all your social media. So I'm always glad to help people out. Yeah, what's your handle on Instagram and then yours too? Man, I don't know. <laughs> what's that? Let Wait, me, I might know it. Let on. me look it up. <laughs> it's wherever you say it's going to be. Uh, that'll be it. 
It's a chad.clark.lifterthrower. <laughs> All right. Um, I have two, actually. Um, my uh, main page is uh, D underscore A underscore. And then my uh, business page is Silverback Strong underscore. Awesome, guys. Thanks, really. appreciate yeah, it. Hey, man, dude, Joe, thanks for all you do, man. Like I said, yeah, stuff like this inspires me too, man. That's all we have for today, guys. I just want to thank Chad Clark, Daryl Aldridge, and Sean Murphy. Music by Robert Slump. For Scholars and Iron, this is Joe, signing off. <laughs>